So now we're speaking with Josh Steinle, who is the author of Chief Marketing Officers at Work. And as you just aptly said, your last name rhymes with Timely, which is probably appropriate for this podcast. So thank you very much for joining us from Shenzhen, China. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. First of all, how do you go from being born in California and ending up now living in and working in Hong Kong? Well, the funny thing about where I grew up in California, in Arcadia, California, is by the time I graduated from high school, my high school was about 65% Asian. So when I come to, or when I moved to Asia here, it was kind of like coming home. The uh, people speak the same language that I grew up around, and they look the same. So this is kind of what I'm comfortable with. Yeah, the reason that I ended up in Hong Kong is my wife and I, a few years ago, decided that we wanted to adopt an older child from China. And that just turned into a discussion of, why don't we just move over there? That would be an adventure for the family, and our kids would learn a second language, and we'd learn about the culture of the girl that we're going to adopt. And everything in my business was leaning towards allowing us to do that. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't tied to any sort of location. So we just up and moved and came over here and it's been an amazing experience. So you're living in Hong Kong or in Shenzhen? I'm living in Shenzhen as of one week ago. So I was in Hong Kong for three years and about a month ago, we got the idea, hey, let's move over to China finally. We've been here for three years. And so we up and moved to Shenzhen. Very cool. I used to live um, in a I used to live in mid-levels for six months, and then before that in the IFC Tower. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right down central, yeah. right in the middle of town. And, yeah, we lived out on Lantau Island in Muiwo, which was much more of a rural experience with old farmers in the field and water buffalo wandering around the town. Cool. And how did you get into marketing? Well, I grew up wanting to be an artist, and that was kind of the only thing I knew how to do. I wasn't very good at math. I wasn't much interested in anything else but drawing and art stuff. And then I went to a year of art school and then I found out about business and I'd been kind of an entrepreneur when I was in high school. I started a skateboard shop and sold candy at school to kids. I competed with the vending machines. and But I didn't know that entrepreneurship was something you could study in college. I thought that was just something that people did. People just started businesses. And so then when I got into college and I found out, oh, you can study business. And I just gravitated towards that and towards entrepreneurship. And then when I was in my second year of college, I got a job at a dot-com back in 99 and started doing web design there. And then I was there for a few months and just couldn't take it anymore. I wanted to start my own business so bad. And the one thing I knew how to do was design websites. So I started a web design firm and that's what I'm still doing to this day is I run a digital marketing agency and this is the only job I've been able to keep for more than five months. <laughs> so how does it work? Like, let's say like I'm interested in doing some online marketing with you guys and having you guys manage it. What do you guys do? How much does it cost? And what's the process? So we're at kind of a premium level. So we work with clients who are able to spend at least $10,000 a month on their marketing. So it's companies that probably have a million dollar a year marketing budget. When you say 10000 a month, that's a commission to you or that's um, a budget for the ads itself? Uh, that's the minimum fee that they're going to pay us for whatever it is that we do. So we do, we do SEO, we manage paid search, we do social media marketing, content marketing. We're kind of a full service integrated digital marketing agency. We just do a lot of things for our clients. Essentially, clients come to us and they say, hey, I want to sell a bunch of stuff. 
I don't know where to get started. What should I be doing? And we take over their marketing strategy, at least online. And we just manage whatever it is that they need done. So if they need to build an email list, we'll handle that. If they need a new website, we'll handle that. If they need SEO, SCM, we handle kind of everything. We've got a staff of about 24 people right now. So it's just a mix of all the people who do those things. I mean, we have a few, it's me and one partner. I have a partner in the US who manages most of the things over there. I manage most of the stuff here in Asia. And then we have a mix of some biz dev people, but it's mostly people getting the work done. So it's SEO professionals and paid search people and content marketers and writers and designers. And it's just a mix of different marketing people and then clients come to us and we figure stuff out. We get stuff done. We figure out how to move product. So we're kind of like a growth hacking agency, I guess. A lot of the clients who are coming to us, they they don't know what they need or they come to us with a unique problem and we figure out how to sell stuff for them and how to make products move. Have you ever tried, I mean, uh, 10,000 a month, it's, it's a lot of money. And I know a lot of people in this space are doing I don't know about 10,000, but they do the monthly fee. Have you ever tried kind of just keeping track of the time and saying, okay, our, our SEO guy is $100 an hour and like keep track of the time and do it like that? We do work hourly on some programming projects. So when we're building a new website, we'll typically work hourly. But when it comes to marketing, we set up a fee that we feel like will cover all the work that we're planning on doing. And that tends to work out better for us uh, because then we don't get into nitpicky discussions about how many hours the client's being charged for. And the client prefers it that way. The client comes to us, they want to spend 10000 or 15000 or 12000 They want to know what they're going to spend every month for the services they get. They don't like it if we come back to them and say, oh, this month it's 10000 and the next month it's fifteen, And then so they like to have that predictability and they usually have a set budget. So that's what we work with. And then we just make sure that we cater the level of our service to what their budget is. How are you transparent? Like, cause I'm sure the clients also want to know like what they're exactly getting for the 10,000, right? So how are you transparent with the client? So they know the value that they're getting out of that 10,000 investment. We focus on the results. So we do share a lot of information about the details of what we're doing, exactly where the time's going. Uh, but really we're trying to get the client to focus on the results and what their sa- how their sales are going up or how their performance is improving because that's what they're really buying is they're really buying sales or leads. And if we can both focus on that, we like to set one goal. So if we can come to a client and say, Hey, you're selling, if it's a B2B client, they might have a large ticket item and they say, Hey, we're selling 50 of these a month. We want to get to 75 months within six months. We like to have a really clear goal like that so that everybody knows exactly what we're shooting for and what we're being measured on so that then we can come back after six months and say, hey, we're not up to 75, we're up to 70, but we're on a good growth trajectory here, or we're up to 80, so we're passing by that goal. We need to set a new goal for the next six months. But we like to have a single number that we can focus on with each client and track that, and it's usually geared around sales or leads. So if you don't hit the goal, um, then, then what happens? Uh, If we really don't hit the goal, then we would tell the client, hey, either we totally dropped the ball, either because we didn't perform, we didn't get the services done, or we didn't scope this out ahead of time well enough to set a realistic goal. But that rarely happens. So usually what happens is we'll come in either close under or we'll come in close over. 
And if we come in a, in a little bit under, it's usually just a matter of refining that goal and saying, hey, well, we came pretty close to it and here's what it's going to be over the next month or two or three, or at least where we think it's going based on the progress we've seen so far. And if it's over, then that usually means we didn't set the goal high enough because usually we would like to be coming in just under the goal rather than blowing past it. If we blow past it, then it's like we just gave ourselves a softball goal or something and we should have stretched more. So now shifting a little bit, how, like how do you communicate with your team since you're in you know, different countries, different time zones? Like what are some of the tools that you use to, to maintain uh, communication, project management, that kind of stuff? Right, especially you have 24 people. It's quite a large team. Yeah, so we use Basecamp. We use Jira from Atlassian. We use, Jira is the backbone of our project management internally. Basecamp is more of our client-facing communication tool. We also use Slack internally, although we, we jumped into Slack and now we just haven't been using it quite as much. And uh, we also use GoToMeeting. We do a weekly all-hands meeting, and so we all get on with cameras and we talk on go to meeting once a week and have everybody report on what they're doing. Uh, some of the teams do sprint or stand, daily stand-up meetings, like scrum meetings through Slack, or we also communicate quite a bit actually through WhatsApp and other just basic chat tools. And then of course, emails, big one. Gotcha. So why Basecamp versus uh, Trello? Uh, we use Trello as well, but Basecamp, we've been using Basecamp since I think 2003 or 2004. So it's just been there for a long time and we've looked at other things, but nothing has served to really replace just that basic communication hub that we have there. And we don't use a lot of the features in Basecamp. We usually, we basically just use the messaging and that's about it. But we find that that's pretty useful for just keeping track of messages and files and such. And I think our clients would probably be a little bit confused by Trello. Really? You think that Trello is more, com is more complicated than Basecamp? Um, in my experience, people find Trello much, much more intuitive. I think so. I think just because Basecamp just basically duplicates email. And so people are familiar with that. They go and they say, oh, okay, here are messages. I can start a message and then people communicate and that's it. And that's the basis of our communication with the clients is that we're just sending messages back and forth and posting files and posting reports and such. And so for our clients, that's about the level of sophistication that they want in, in communicating with us and with Trello if we have to explain boards and moving things from one thing to the next, most of our clients don't want that kind of detail into what we're doing. A lot of our clients, they're just coming to us and saying, Hey, I just want to see numbers in my bank account and they just send me a report once a month and tell me how it's going. I mean, you could almost, to be honest, it sounds like uh, add them to your Slack team as a single channel uh, guest to like a channel that you don't, you guys don't use, you know, you could create like a fake channel and then get them, get them all in Slack and then, you only have that one tool. Yeah, almost. Uh, the funny thing is even Basecamp, I, to me, Basecamp is so, so basic. And yet a lot of our clients come back and they say, this system's too complicated. We can't figure this out. Can you just email us? And I'm like, okay, it seems pretty simple to me. But we have a lot of clients who don't even like to log into Basecamp. They feel like it's just too much to ask of them. And they just say, I, I just want you to call me. I just want you to email me. And so we end up going back to just emailing them and tracking our own stuff in Basecamp and Jira. What's like a lot of your time focused on now, like your personal time? I'm mostly an evangelist for the company. So I'm not, 
I'm usually not directly involved in the work. I'm focused on my book. I'm focused on writing articles. I'm focused on bringing in business and generating leads for the business. And so it's my job to go out there and be the face of the business and do speaking engagements and talk and write stuff and create content. And so, yeah, I'm more on the marketing side of things. Gotcha. Cool. Well, so Josh, we're just about out of time here. So the last question that I always like to ask in interviews is, uh, what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? Um, well, one thing that I've been doing a lot of lately is trying to make myself unnecessary. And what I mean by that is not to the point where I'm not involved in the business anymore, but I look at the jobs I'm doing on a daily basis and I say, what would happen if I died? If I died, would this business survive? And if not, then what do I need to fix? What, who do I need to hire? What systems do I need to put in place? What technology do I need so that if I were incapacitated or died or wanted to go on a vacation for a week or something, then things wouldn't fall apart. And I look at that and then I have been putting things in place to make it so that someday, one of these days, I can actually take a week-long vacation and be totally disconnected, which I haven't done in 16 years. So that's one way I've found that we're able to scale the business is just to keep asking that question all the time. And then that results in making choices that allow us to scale and grow and be better at providing the services we're providing. Another thing that changed that helped me be a lot more successful recently is I brought on a partner. I ran this business for many years and it was essentially a zombie company. It was failing. It was never really profitable. It just kind of squeaked along. And one of my friends came to me one day and he said, hey, Josh, I know you don't want to hear this, but you really need to bring on a partner who can do some of the things that you're not very good at, like sales. And that rang true for me. So I brought on a partner and our business exploded after that. It just started growing rapidly and it's been amazing since then. And then the third thing is I'm a big believer in that saying that your life's going to be the same in five years, except for the people you meet in the books you read. And so I'm just a voracious consumer of books. I love reading. I love reading business books. I read as many as I can get my hands on. And I've also been listening to a ton of podcasts lately. And there's just so much value out there for free on these podcasts. And then audiobooks really are not that expensive for with the value that you can get out of them. So I think it behooves every entrepreneur and businessman, business person out there to just consume as much content as you can, because there's so many answers right out there in front of you to solve these problems that business people face every day. That, that's really great insights, Josh. Thank you so much. Uh, so where can people find out more about you? And we'll have links in the show notes, of course, but where can they find out more about you? Well, my agency is mwi.com and my personal website where I blog and link to all the articles I write and such is joshsteimle.com and that's J-O-S-H-S-T-E-I-M-L-E.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Josh. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.